0: So today's episode of the pitch features two very significant different moods. It's a very somber mood in one and a very happy mood in the other. Baseball comes back today on the pitch and soccer stays where it is. You'll see which mood comes where on this new episode of the pitch. Stick around. We back On the pitch, it is your boy, Michael Kirsting. That is Michael with a Y back home, not in New York, but back home in College Park, back in my dorm after a nice long winter break. Spring semester is underway, although it is looking rather gloomy outside. And for that, um, we will start today with the gloomy part of the pitch. I haven't said it on this episode before or on this podcast at all. But there's just something about soccer. Today, we're going to start with soccer. We're going to give the bad news first and end on some good news with baseball. But the bad news, folks, Frank Lampard's gone. Chelsea's manager, their all-time appearance leader, their all-time goal-scoring leader, their next young manager that was supposed to lead them into the next generation is gone. Just about 18 months after his hire, after leading Chelsea FC to third place on a young squad last year. At the end of the match day today, he said he sat in 10th place. And it just was not enough. As Roman Abramovich has sent him off, saying it is a very difficult decision and one that he did not have to make. Well, if you didn't have to make the decision, Roman, then why did you? He won't hear this, so that's why I'll be giving my raw, uncut opinion about this. It's ridiculous. To have given Frank that much money and given that little time Chelsea spent 222 million euros, not dollars, euros, over the summer transfer window after they were they were allowed to spend that much due to, due to a transfer ban two seasons ago. They splurged the money. They splurged on Malang Sar, who is currently on loan. They splurged on Kai Havertz. They splurged on Edward Mendy, on Timo Werner. Thiago Silva was free. They splurged on Ben Chilwell. In an, in an awkward, crazy time like this, awkward, crazy things are going to happen. And one of them might have just been that Chelsea weren't doing as well as they were supposed to be doing which you can say, I'm a Chelsea fan. I didn't think they were going to be challenging for the title. I did think they were going to be challenging for Europe, though, for those second, third, and fourth spots to play in Champions League. They're not near that level right now. It is disappointing to watch as a fan, but it is even more disappointing to understand the fact that this guy who has bought the team, he has been at the helm since 2003, has now given the job to his fifteenth manager. Fifteen and twelve—that is more managers than years he's been at the helm. And now, to give you a little bit of a um, of a comparison there, now Paris manager, Paris Saint-Germain manager, Maurizio Pochettino. Before he was in charge of of PSG, he was at Spurs. For six years. So if Abramovich. By the way. Abramovich is Chelsea's owner. Owned the club as I said since 2003. And he would have been at the helm. I probably was off. He's been at the helm now for. For now almost 20 years. Close to 18 years. If he had, if he had Pochettino stay. As manager of this club. He would have been manager for a third of the time he was there. You don't see too much loyalty in soccer. You don't see you don't see 6 years loyalty from a manager of all things. So you would expect managers to come and go after maybe 3 4 year 18 months. Lampard's done. Manager before him, Maurizio Sarri got what 18 months. Antonio Conte got two years. He won, did Conte. Conte won the league in his first season. Came in what? Probably third, fourth? I frankly don't remember. And then got axed after that season. Maurizio Sarri in that title race for the ages between Manchester City and Liverpool that Manchester City eventually won. A two-horse race. City finished on 99. I think Liverpool finished on 98 points. Next guy is 20-something points behind. That was Chelsea in third place. Europa League winners. Runner-ups in the community shield. Sari, gone. Only one that had only firing within these past six, seven years. It's crazy to think that 2015 was six, seven years ago now. Only firing that was even close to justified was Jose Mourinho's after he sat 10th place around the same time just before christmas time chelsea had won the league before the le- the year before in 2014-15 and by christmas time they were sitting bottom half of the table that is a reasonable firing but under the circumstances of a pandemic impacted season under the circumstances of a young team such as Chelsea you would expect these players to be performing better there's no doubt about that but to fire this they put up a banner fans of course aren't allowed in the um in the stadium but they have banners around the um the English stadiums in Chelsea Stadium, Stamford Bridge in London, they put up a sign that said, in Frank we trust, then, now, forever. He had been at this club just about as long as Roman Abramovich had been, as a player. And what does Roman do but gives him only 18 months? What does, does Who does he think he is? Said he's still got a great relationship with Frank. I don't care. I would be mad if I was Frank. He said Frank was just, Frank said himself he was disappointed. Disappointed is an understatement for what Frank should be. After he led a team to a a Champions League finish, Champions League level finish last season on a team that he didn't even, all young players, he didn't spend a dime. Last transfer window when he led a team to third place. You bring in six new players? What do you think? think is gonna happen I didn't think they were gonna challenge for the t- I thought they were gonna challenge I think they're gonna challenge for the title this coming season after this season I would have thought that they would have they needed a year to understand the team chemistry the leagues the league's vibe all that type of stuff but no he got no time so now he has to hand it off to another manager. He's got two, he's got, I think, a year and a half on his contract. Doesn't matter whether or not he gets, he, he gets to that point. If he gets one and a half years on his contract, that is as long as he is lasting. You can't get excited about anything because Roman Abramovich keeps firing dudes before any, they have any, they have any chance to do anything with the assets they've got. Did he think that they were going to actually challenge for this league this year did Abramovich? You always have to go in with that mindset, but there's also something about being realistic. I've said this in the past, again, not on the podcast. The MLB and and the 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 EPL are just two completely different sports teams, know in the MLB when they're terrible. I mean, the Orioles have been have been god awful for for quite a few years now so what do they do they go and sell their entire team to rebuild but it's it's economics in this in this european game as long as you are economically a top team you will never accept failure failure is finishing fifth place and it's a shame and they chelsea are going to finish lower this year i didn't expect them to finish this low well they, they might be finishing lower now Because Frank didn't, he knew he was wrong. Frank knew that he didn't do a good enough job just yet. But he didn't even have a chance to correct his wrongs. And that's the worst part. If Frank promised that his team would get into sixth, seventh place, that would be a realistic finish for Chelsea this season. And they stayed in 10th. If he told Roman, give me to the end of the season. Let me turn our form around, get us at least close to Europe, get a sixth, seventh place. If he doesn't do that, and then the, the poor form continued, different story. But that part of the story, part two, had not even been written yet. He got all of last season. He had literally halfway into this season. 38 plus 19, that's 57 games. What is 57 games at the head of a club like Chelsea going to say about you? You can't say that Lampard was a bad manager. You cannot, because he did not have enough time. It is To me, it is the utter, complete, anything wrong decision. It's not like he lost the locker room. He had these players together, banded together. No loss in the locker room because as a soccer fan, you can feel it on the pitch when, there are t- when, when the players are fractured, when, they're, when instead of one whole team, there are 11 players on the field. There was nothing to suggest that that wasn't happening. That was happening, excuse me, the fact that the team was fractured. There was nothing to say that was happening. They, the players trust him and the players post on social media. Thank you so much, Frank, for being such a great influence. I mean, this almost shows that the players are almost a little surprised about it. He was getting into the hot seat after the loss, after these last few losses. Leicester, I mean, they're showing that they are title quality, not just Europe quality. They're showing title qualities. Chelsea should be too, but not many teams can stack up against these guys this season. I just, it's such a shame. There is no, no loyalty. No loyalty in soccer. Never has been. I mean, Sol Campbell, prime example. Going from Arsenal to Spurs, could you imagine on free transfer? Sol Campbell is a defender, I believe it was for for Arsenal, and then Spurs picked him up. And Sp- Arsenal and Spurs are arch rivals, playing the same neighborhood of London and up in North London. You never see it anymore. No Francesco Totti's anymore. Frank never played his entire career with Chelsea, but that was he. He had of course been raised through younger clubs before he came to Chelsea. No Francesco Totti's you you see a guy like Francesco Totti he played his entire career over in Rome. He was born and raised in Rome, Italian legend. No one in this day and age is going to turn down an offer to play soccer for Real Madrid because they're because they all are focused on themselves. Totti did that and spent his entire he sacrificed winning he sacrificed money. He sacrificed everything for his hometown team. You never see that anymore. And now you, I was just starting to think, you, we could have seen it. We could have seen it at Chelsea because we've still got younger players, Mason Mount, Tammy Abraham, Reese James, all these guys raised at this club since they were six years old. Mason Mount, six years old, six. And to think, that they're now that Roman just let Frank go after eighteen months, he might just sell Mason at this point. Mason Mount just captained his team. He captained his team in the FA Cup. He's twenty three years old. He is Chelsea's best performer this this season so far. And just there's you just never know. Tammy Mason, all of them. Where there's money, there's Winston, whether it's any of it. I mean, you saw it in baseball all the time. You saw Jeter, you saw Ortiz, you saw you saw X, you saw Y, you saw Z. 24-year career sometimes in the case of, of Hank Aarons. We'll get to him in the baseball section of the pitch today. You see guys spending 18 months at an, at a European soccer team, you're happy where it's just a system. It's just, you filter in new guys. And it, it's not like MLS is different to me because this is, it, it's no longer a retirement league. That's for sure. It's now a development league. That's different. Jack Harrison prime example for New York city FC developed. He was the number one overall draft pick at the super draft in 2016, I believe played what two, three years for New York city bought by Manchester city who loaned him out to Middlesbrough, I believe. And now Harrison, Jack Harrison is with Leeds in the premier league, tearing it up. Different story with him because he's a younger player trying to make a name for himself. But not not in the European. It's just ruthless there. But Abramovich has made the wrong decision. I thought if Frank had the rest of the season, there could have been something. I am writing off this season at this point. Chelsea's new manager is um, a guy named Thomas Tuchel. He managed he managed Dortmund and he managed also managed PSG. That was his last managerial job before coming to West London. Chelsea were targeting three Ger- main German managers to get the best out of their new young German signings, being Timo Werner and Kai Havertz. They were targeting Julian Nagelsmann. He is at the head of Red Bull Leipzig right now. And they were, all for, they were also looking at, um, at Ralph Rangnick, who was also the former Red Bull Leipzig coach. He is in a um, technical role now. He's considered to be one of Germany's modern soccer trailblazers for the way he played and managed. But they took Tuckle. I believe, because of his involvement with Christian Pulisic when he brought him through Dortmund. He was the guy who gave Pulisic his first chance at Dortmund. So that, if you want to look at it in any bright way, almost all but ensures Pulisic's spot in the team. Almost all but ensures Kai's spot in the team. And now it's up to him. I think his main job is to get the best out of Timo. That's the main thing. He sure has gotten the best out of strikers before, this guy. I mean, he's unbelievable. He's gotten the best out of a Bummyang, out of Cavani, out of all these guys. Top, top goal scorers. Right now, you can't throw Timo into that team. I'm a huge Timo Werner fan. I loved the signing. Thought he was going to be better. I mean, everyone thought he was going to be better. You can't throw him into that side right now on the striker role. Because Tammy and Olivier Giroud are just too in form right now. You're going to almost ensure Pulisic's spot, so you may as well throw him on the right. But the fact that I'm even talking about this, the fact that this is even a conversation is really upsetting to me because Frank did not deserve this. And it hurts even more because of his his, his stature at the club. A club legend. No one is protected from it. And it's a real shame. Not that this should be an excuse for managers to be giving, for, for um, owners and for for chairs to give managers more time but you didn't you wouldn't have thought that this would have come to an end this early and i loved frank as a manager too just something about bringing in club legends gives you even more to the team because they know what it means to play for the badge i mean frank lampard of all people i mean over 600 games played for this team over 200 goals scored For this team alone, he knows what it means to play for the badge. He's raising players like Mason Mount to be like him. Maybe not the goal-scoring form of his, but he's teaching Mason Mount. I mean, without Mason Mount, he he would not have lasted five games into this season. Mason Mount is going to be a Lampard-esque player in the sense that we have not seen over the weekend, we did we have not seen Mason Mount captain this side for the last time. He's, 20, he's a young 20, early 20s age, been raised through this academy, as I mentioned since age six. I sure hope that he's gonna be at the if anybody is gonna be at this, at this side, if we see any type of loyalty, it better be with Mason. Because he instilled that pride in the badge. Lampard instilled that pride in the badge into Mason. Gave him a chance, and he is becoming integral. By far Chelsea's best player this season. The reason they're still anywhere close to top of the, t- the top half of table discussions. I just hope Tuckle does not switch much because there isn't much off. There's not that much off about this side it's just the forwards have not been firing enough they haven't been getting the bounces it's just it seems the entire front line has been has been a problem this season the defense has been great Kurt we haven't haven't seen Kurt Zuma in a while maybe he'll put maybe he'll put Kurt back in gave Rudiger a nice little run on the side and he played great to be fair to him Aside from those two moments at Leicester, I mean, he had been playing great. But you, see, I definitely thought that there was going to be more in this for Frank, and I don't, I don't think Frank deserved this. It's a real, real sad, sad sight to see him go, especially for fans who I had maybe started watching in 2015, 2016 ish. I knew who Lampard was, and it was actually the game that he became. The all-time leading scorer of Chelsea. I that was I remember watching that game vividly, and I was like, wow. And that's what got me onto this team. With their flag on my back wall behind me. To see him go, it's upsetting. But it's a quick turnaround now. It's maybe I don't know what I can say about Tuckle because I do. I don't know much about him, but obviously it was there was intent on bringing in a German manager to try and get the best out of their young signings, and I guess if he can do that, I guess there there isn't going to be much wrong, because Mason, you already know what he's going to bring. You know what Polisic's going to bring, but it's upsetting because there was more for this, more for Frank in this. And I, I've already repeated myself multiple times, but it's just, there's no other real feeling right now. It's just, I woke up yesterday, saw it. It's just numbness. Why would they, I didn't think there was a need. But hey, all things happen for a reason, don't they? So we'll see how Tuckle does this season and in the seasons to follow. But hopefully... Hopefully he comes back because in a top team with some he, maybe he's a manager who just doesn't need who just needs a finished product because if Chelsea have a finished product, he can come back, instill that pride in the badge into them again, there is going to be nobody who beats them. If he comes in with a complete side and all they need is just a little bit of a push to say, why are we to answer the question, why are we playing for this team?" Look at that badge. That's why. Feel the history behind it. Frank knows all about it. Tuckle doesn't bring that to the side. There are not many people who can bring that to a certain side. And that's about all I've got to say about it. That's enough doom and gloom on this soccer section of the pitch. Baseball is next. It's been quite a bit since we have talked about baseball. And boy, this is going to get to be a spicy segment. Baseball's coming up next on the pitch. Folks, it's finally that time on the pitch. Baseball is back. The hot stove has been heating up to about exactly 212 degrees. It is a boiling stove now in the free agent market, in the trade market, X, Y, and Z. But the main reason it's finally happy days in my home state of New York is because you guys already know the name D. J. LeMahieu has re-signed at long last with the New York Yankees. Seemed like there was it was never in doubt, but boy was it not worth the wait. This D. J. signed a six-year, ninety million dollar extension. He was willing to take a pay cut. As, as evidently he was willing to take a pay cut to um. To stay in New York. He has been probably the best hitter in the league over these past few seasons in New York, and it's just an overall win for the organization for DJ himself. I am overjoyed that the um that the Yankees finally did decide to re-sign him. Even I don't think it was worth the wait because they should have re-signed him on the first day of free agency. But they got it done, and I am not complaining anymore you will not have to hear that name on this podcast for quite some time now that he is re-signed he will slot in at the second base position once again the Yankees also got a little bit more pitching as well they signed Corey Kluber the former two-time Cy Young winner he um had a shortened season last year even shorter than the 60 games that were played because yeah, Tommy John surgery and he is coming off of an injury-ridden 2020 season. The Yankees also traded for Pirates starter Jamison Tyone as they traded four prospects away for him. I am a little bit more excited about this Tyone signing than Kluber because Kluber is 34 years old. He is coming off an injury-ridden this season. And um, you just don't know how those work, especially when he is. When he is older and they sign him to a one year, a $10 million contract. I personally don't think it's worth it, but it is a low risk, high reward deal. So it isn't as it could be way, way worse. It'll be cool to have another Cy Young winner on that side. Uh, Tayon, I am much more excited about. He is a young starter. He has also been an injury ridden starter, but he has had more time. He has more time. To be recovering from that and get his career up and kicking again. He was on the Pirates. He was also teammates with current Yankee ace Garrett Cole. So that team chemistry between them two will become apparent. It is going to be a nice it is a nice bolstering of the rotation as Luis Severino is of course expected back in the middle of the season if a, a full 162 games are played maybe around June or so just before the all-star break Domingo Hermann will also be back from his suspension of last year and um, as well as Jordan Montgomery who was a mainstay at the bottom of the rotation too so it's good starting pitching that the Yankees have picked up. Maybe not the most solid, but they've got options. That's a big thing for them. They need their options. As long as they've got their options, they can do more. However, the Yankees did trade away the, one of their relievers, Adam Adovino, to the Red Sox. Only the second time it, it's happened in the 2000s, the first time I, since, I believe, 2014, when the Yankees picked up Steven Drew. And it's a, it's, that's tough because the Yankee, because Adovino, just like D.J. LeMahieu, a very underrated player coming over from Colorado um, a few seasons ago, he was paid $33 million over three years. So he has one more year left on his contract that the Red Sox will pick up. And it was apparent that his dip in form was the reason why he was traded away. And it's a real shame because he is one of the best, if not the best, relievers in the game when he has his moment but now there was a big gaping hole in that in that Yankees relieving spots and the Yankees were once known just a a few short seasons ago for having far and away the deepest and the best in quality bullpen in the league and that was that was the one part of that team where you could say all right we don't have to worry about this you we had to worry about a first baseman. We had to worry about consistency at catcher a few years ago. We had to worry about starting pitching. We still do need to worry about starting pitching, but not as much so anymore. Now you have to think about it a little bit because, because now that he's gone, most of the free agent options are gone for um in terms of relievers. Brad Hand was just picked up by the Washington Nationals the other day. Um, to me, hand was a perfect fit for the Yankees because they needed a lefty in front of or at least in the middle of relief and um and Brad hand is as I think he's better than Oavino, he definitely has been over the past one year and um and the nationals picked him up. the Nationals are bolstering themselves up to definitely be one of the better teams, but unfortunately, um for the Yankees they have lost out on Brad Hand um and there aren't too many more relievers I thought that um the Yankees don't really fit too much with any more but the at least free agent wise they haven't the next the next guy that I would think they could be picking up is Josh Hader of the Brewers he's the closer for the Brewers he's a a a, um herky-jerky throwing lefty out of the the Brewers bullpen he is not a free agent The Brewers are listening to trade offers for him. And according to reports, the trade offers are very hefty and perhaps overvalued for Josh Hader. And if I was, if I was, I don't know exactly who the Yankees would be offering or who the Brewers would want. But I would think that Miguel Andujar would be at the center of these trade discussions. If the Yankees wanted Hater, as well as maybe a top pitching prospect or two, maybe Chance Adams, Michael King, something like that. Clint Frazier, however, he used to be their main their main trade piece. If there was any trade rumors, you would always think that Clint Frazier was at the center of them. But it looks like once again, the Yankees may be re-signing their left fielder Brett Gardner. He has been he is the only remaining the only remaining Yankee from the last world series winning team in 2009. But he is paving the way for Frazier to be, he's, he's become a mentor for, for the young Clint Frazier. And I don't, I think that that red thunder is going to be at the center of this Yankees team. If he doesn't get traded because Gardner is now coming into his age 39, 40, something like that season. And Frazier has been a highly touted prospect for quite some time. and, in the 2019 season when when the outfielders got injured, when Stanton and Judge got injured, Frazier stepped up and he was their best player for quite a bit of time, maybe about a month span when he needed to be, most importantly, he was their most he was their best player for quite some time. And I think at the center of this, he needs to be at the center of this Yankees team because he's a he's a young guy. They don't have much longevity and consistency in the side with Aaron judge and John Carlos Stanton, because the both of them are, um, they're getting up there in age, which they've still got quite some time on their side. Don't worry about that, but they can't seem to stay healthy. They're both huge guys. They're both six, 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 seven. And, um, they're, they're running around. They're swinging a bat. They can't stay healthy. Clinton hasn't really stayed too healthy either, but, has it's it's either that or he hasn't found a way into the starting lineup because um whether it be because of Gardner because of um because of judge and if judge gets hurt Stanton comes in and of course Aaron Hicks in center field X y and Z has just either ke- has kept him out of the starting lineup and it's a real shame because because if he doesn't get starting time he will get traded and they the Yankees can't afford to be losing that type of that type of oh I can't even think of the word that he's got so much um promise going forward I think that's the word they're they're losing promise if they trade him and there's so much potential in Frazier's game he's he's hitting his down of course it's his defense that needs work but I think the Yankees could really use him going forward. Now on the on the other side of New York City Boy, those New York Mets. I've never liked them, but you just need to give credit where credit is due. They have done an amazing job so far this offseason in bolstering their side. They are very, very early in the um in the offseason, they picked up former twins reliever Trevor May to bolster their bullpen that already boasts a former Yankees reliever Dylan Betances. As well as Edwin Diaz, who, of course, three, four years ago led the league with middle 50 saves. With quite a bit more than 50 saves. And of course, the big blockbuster deal that the um that new Mets owner Steve Cohen put through was signing Francisco Lindor and Carlos Carrasco. Two of in their prime, Francisco Lindor has been has been one of the faces of the MLB from His time in Cleveland, he was on that Cleveland Indians side that fell short to the Cubs in the World Series three years ago. And he has been a top, top player at shortstop, top hitter. He's a switch hitter. He can bash it from both sides of the plate. Top 10, if not top five, or even top three shortstop right now in the game. And they also signed Carlos Carrasco to bolster their starting pitching. He fills in at least for now. He'll fill in for the injured Noah Syndergaard, who will be back from Tommy John mid-season. On a fully, at a fully healthy rotation, it's something else for the Mets. You haven't seen it in quite some time since maybe their 2015 World Series run, as they boast Marcus Stroman, who they signed last year. Of course, Syndergaard now. Carrasco don't forget about Cy Young winner Jacob deGrom as well as Stephen Matz it's a very very diverse starting pitching lineup for the Mets and I'll tell you one thing they've of course now Robinson Cano has been suspended for the entirety of the season due to his to his second P- positive PED test but the, the the Mets are still in the market for for certain players, and um, the the Mets have already sprung themselves into the playoff conversation, and I'm really, really happy that they did not sign D.J. LeMahieu because I would have absolutely hated the Mets if they did. They've got a complete lineup, and they didn't need to sign him. They've got Jeff McNeil, their um, – over the past two seasons, I believe he leads the, league, the, his, the team, the Mets, in, in average. They have him at second base. They have J.D. Davis at third base. They've got a very, very complete team. Catcher was a huge, huge issue for them, but they signed James McCann from the White Sox you could just go down the list they've got all 3 of their outfielders most notably being Michael Conforto in his age 28 season going into his his prime in 2019 and 2020 short in 2020 of course he tore it up for the Mets he led the team in OPS on base plus slugging what i'm getting at is this Mets team is going to be is going to be a force to be reckoned with maybe not this year i think that the that the Braves will win the NL East, but it'll be by a slender margin and it won't be one of those down to the wire races where it'll come down to the last day. I think it'll be by about a a comfortable three or four games and it will come down to those interdivision matchups between say the Mets and the Braves. It'll, it'll come down between all of them. It'll come, it'll come down to the divisional matchups between all five National League East teams, them being the Mets, Braves, Phillies, Nationals, and Marlins. But that's where it's going to be separated. And if if the Mets can if the Mets can do just a little bit more, even they, they might need just one more outfielder and they might need anywhere on the team, on the field one more star name to accompany Pete Alonso, maybe if Conforto can step up just a little bit. It's asking a lot of them. But if there can be one more star name in there that can produce top 10, top 15 numbers consistently throughout the seasons we might be having another subway series getting through in the playoffs and i would tell you it would be it would be a privilege to be a fan of the yankees watching a subway series for the first time since 2000 or at least i'm talking a subway series in the playoffs it'll sure be entertaining to watch the yankees and the mets play they usually do at least twice a se- at, at least a two game series during the regular season but there are still, of course, some names on the market, those being Trevor Bauer. Trevor Bauer is a huge name. He is the, um, the top of the line. He is the top starting pitcher on the market. He is asking for a hefty, hefty price. It has been reported that the Mets have actually put in a formal offer for Trevor Bauer. I do not think that is where he should go. I think he should end up at the Los Angeles Angels because the angels are moving forward at, in their rebuild process it has become apparent that the that the angels are building around the best generation best player of our generation in um in Mike Trout and they just they're missing quite a few pieces but it is it is not they're not very far off of course their starting pitcher Dylan Bundy had a breakout season last year they have just picked up ryzel Iglesias from the Reds. He can double as a starter or a reliever if they want him to. And of course, they have their two-way star Otani-san, Shohei Otani from Japan. If they can, and if they, if they can pick up, <clears throat> oh excuse me, if they can be picking up Trevor Bauer and offer him the the right amount that he wants the the angels will have a very very solid foundation to be building up from with of course with trout their top prospect joe adele in right field will be sitting there he's a young young prospect and he'll be one to watch as well as anthony rendon of course formerly of the nationals at third base the angels are building is the point and if it depends on what bauer wants if bauer wants to win right now he might not want to go to the angels but if he is if he sees the if he sees the vision that the angels see, I think they are a good match for each other. But to think about Jacob Degrom, Trevor Bauer, and Noah Syndergaard in the same starting rotation, as a New York fan, no. As a Yankee fan, I don't want to think about that because there might be there might be a threat or two towards that. I mean, I would see anything. I would take anything to see the Dodgers get knocked off. It's getting a little bit annoying seeing them seeing them in the world series every year thank god they finally won it but the the mets with their new owner steve cohen are are in a bit of a renaissance here and it's to see to see it is a little is a kind of a cool thing especially because i know a few mets fans they haven't felt the jubilation of a of a huge trade or a big signing in quite some time now and it isn't to be dissing it's not to be dissing the mets or anything but it's just been poor ownership poor poor uh, money management Van Wagenen Brody Van Wagenen was was a poor GM the Wilpons were not willing to to shed out the money necessary but it's obvious that Steve Cohen is doing everything that he can for this team since he's purchased it in two months I feel like he's already done more than the Wilpons have in two three years and of course this is Going back to the statement about Lindor, Francisco Lindor, he's got one year left on his contract, which is it makes it an even better trade because the Mets pick up that one year. And if he doesn't do good, they just let him go. But of course, if he does do well, the Mets will be in to resign him. Already, I've heard that Lindor is loving life and he's very excited to get up and going chomping at the bit to get started with the Mets. So it's a a very, it's a low-risk, high-reward signing, and it's very, it's almost disrespectful to say that about Francisco Lindor, but a player of his caliber, you would not expect him to be falling off anytime soon. It'll be assumed that he will jump into that lineup like he's been there for years and propel the Mets potentially to the next level and take that next step closer to the postseason for the first time since 2015, when they were in the World Series and lost to the Royals, another last little bit of free agent news: Jackie Bradley Jr., of course, formerly of the Red Sox, is also on the market. I've talked to several Mets fans saying that they would like to see Jackie Bradley Jr. in their lineup. He is a plus defender. Maybe not the best hitter. You wouldn't you wouldn't reckon him up there at the top, but he is a he is an A plus defender. And he is, of course, still on the market. Even if the Yankees wanted some outfield depth, which they don't need, teams looking for depth as well as a defensive minded outfielder can find that in Jack, in JBJ. And that is just about all for the baseball section of the pitch. Hot take coming up next. Hot take time on the pitch. Episode number six is hot take. I'm gonna stay with baseball this time because I've missed it so much. There are a lot of hot takes that I could be given outside of um outside of baseball and soccer, with maybe the likes of Deshaun Watson where he might go, where the the thoughts of Bradley Beal of the Washington Wizards. But to be honest with you, I don't know too much about it. And I couldn't give you an opinion on whether on where on if Deshaun might go to the Jets, Dolphins, X, Y, or Z. I couldn't give you an opinion on that because I don't know about it. I know about football and I follow it, but I don't have much of an opinion. So I'm going to stick with baseball, something I know very well and something I, I, I don't know if you guys have, but I have dearly missed on this podcast. One thing I did not mention in the baseball section on the pitch was the fact that the San Diego Padres bolstered their pitching roster by signing you Darvish from the Cubs and more notably for for us Yankee fans and AL East baseball fans of maybe the Orioles here in College Park. The Rays also picked, excuse me, the Padres also picked up Blake Snell from the Rays, their top-of-the-line ace, who, especially as a Yankee fan, I haven't liked watching him because he does, he fares rather well against us Yankees. So, in the past few years. So, my hot take this, this time is being that Snell has been traded from the Rays to the Padres this will affect the Rays in a negative way especially if there are 162 games this season in the sense that they're not even going to be within seven games of the Yankees at the top of the AL East I think the Yankees will be back on top of the AL East and they will be winning it over everybody by about seven games at least over the Rays by seven games as the, the Blue Jays have also bolstered their their team by signing most notably George Springer from the Houston Astros to accompany their young core of Kayvon Biggio, Bo Bichette, and Vladdy Guerrero Jr. They might be more of contenders than the Rays this year after the Rays just made it to the World Series and lost to the Dodgers, a big part of that was blake snell pitching for the rays so if there's going to be anybody to rival the yankees at the top of the al east it is not going to be the rays this year it is going to be the blue jays and i think the yankees will finish above the rays by at least seven games i couldn't predict it i couldn't predict how many games the the yankees will finish above the blue jays because the blue jays have found themselves you didn't think it was it was much of a rebuild but all of a sudden, the Blue Jays have really propelled themselves into the into the discussion for the AL East. And again, I never liked doing it, but you have to give credit where credit is due. And the Blue Jays have done an excellent job of appealing to George Springer. His press conference is actually later on today, on Wednesday. He will be formally introduced to the team. And um it's it's looking a little bit scary because because now they've also got Robbie Ray signed. They've got, they've got a few other pitchers, and of course, as I mentioned, that young core of um, of Bichette and Kayvon Biggio and Vladdy. Not to forget about Lourdes Gurriel Jr. and Teoscar Hernandez. They've got a, they've got an appealing team. Do these Blue Jays from up north, north of the border? So I don't know. It might be a little bit closer between. It might be a little closer between the Yankees and the Blue Jays. Maybe maybe within five games is what I'd think. I can't give you a solid prediction, though. I can give you a very solid prediction, however, that the Yankees will be winning the AL East, and they will be, they will be above the Rays by at least seven games. That's my hot take for this episode of The Pitch, number six episode of The Pitch, es finito. It is done, and we will be moving on to episode number seven Chelsea will be playing at least once afterwards maybe there will be more moves talked about in baseball if not I'll get a few more predictions up for you and I'll try and stray away from baseball and soccer in the next episode of the pitch is hot tape well once again thank you guys very much for tuning in to the pitch episode number six is done episode number seven will be up next I'll be probably releasing these new these episodes at a newer date, it'll probably be between Tuesday and Wednesday. So keep notifications on and keep your eyes peeled for a new release of The Pitch. Thanks for tuning in again. My name is Michael Kirsten. That is Michael with a Y. I will see you next time. Episode number seven coming out soon. Thanks for tuning in again. Ha!